What's up, YouTube fans? Welcome to the live recording of the Security Squawk podcast. My name is Brian Horning with Exact IT Solutions. I have with me my original partner in crime, <laughs> Andre from Arc Solvers down in Miami, Florida. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, the calm before the storm. We got a, a tropical storm coming uh, Saturday, so it's very uh, nice and sunny outside, a little windy, but um, we're doing well. What's the name of that one? I, I, I think I was vaguely aware of one in the beginning of the week. Is it? Uh, Fred, yeah. Right now he's in Dominican Republic. Uh, they don't have any electricity in that country right now. Uh, shouldn't be too bad, but um, you know we're we're all stocked up and ready. Uh, Fred, you said it was. Yeah. And that's coming right for East Coast, West Coast, coming across the state. What's it gonna do? Uh, at the moment, yeah, it's gonna hit uh, Miami, um, more on the west side. So hopefully just continues to stay that way. And mm -hmm. then it'll be going up, up the Straits of Florida. Oh, so it's coming west of Miami, up mm -hmm. kind of the coast, but more inland. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So let's talk about that. What are you guys doing down there to prepare for this from, you know, uh, a disaster recovery preparedness standpoint? Like what, how do businesses in, in the, you know, in the sights of a hurricane, begin to prepare uh, for something like this. So, help 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 our audience out. Let's uh, let's hear it. Yeah. So here in Miami, unfortunately, we get all of these. You know, the storm is coming. The storm is coming. Go to your local groceries. And we've heard it so much in the last twenty years. People don't take it as serious. But nevertheless, we still send out uh, emails to our clients, letting them know um, the standard. I would say the standard stuff is. If a computer over the weekend, is, because this is also coming over the weekend, um, if it doesn't need to be on, go ahead and, and shut it down. They they have um, typically all our computers are off the floor, but some instances there there are some that's on the floor. So just in case there's any flooding or anything like that. And then also um, we make sure that they have their, they know their policies on as far as any remote work. And of course, with COVID, that's more more and more employees are working from home. So uh, before COVID, we would uh, set up temporary VPN or remote access to servers or file servers or whatever the case is. And um, of course, backup. So um, we're doing an audit of all our clients as we typically do, but we're doing a, an extra one just to make sure that there's no errors and everything is um, up to date in case there is some type of um, loss on, on anything local, um, you know, the data is in the cloud. Okay. And then do you guys do, do you talk to your clients? Is this a good time to stress the importance of a incident response or disaster recovery plan to your clients who maybe don't do it or you don't have those in place yet? Um, because I would imagine that if you have a direct hit with a hurricane, um, and you're dealing with flooding and maybe even your roof is gone. So, you, you know, again, you're going to be dealing with water coming into the facility where your computers are and things like that. Um, my guess would be that there would be some kind of incident response plan on the other side of this that you could follow or your client could begin to use in a similar kind of way that I think about a cyber attack where you're going to be engaging insurance companies if you have insurance. Similar things would happen here. Um, is this something you're talking about with your clients? Is this something your clients are coming to you about and asking you, like, what do we do? How does this play out from, from your perspective? Yeah. So what we like to do is not to talk about it two days before. So right. we've you know, gone through the whole scenario. Um, we have a general template and then per client, we edit that template and then they edit it and then they make it into their internal policy. So what we're essentially doing when we send out the emails is referring them back to their to their policy. And of course, if they need, you know, hey, let's look at it one more time, that's fine. And, um, and uh, because this particular storm, like I said, is not, doesn't seem like it's gonna do too much. Our clients like to live la vida loca, which is a Spanish term for, you know, you know, so uh, 
So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see, but yes, there is definitely a plan for our our clients that are on our our managed services, and then for the clients that um, that are not and just kind of call us when they need us, it is a great opportunity to to let them know, hey, this is why you need our services because you're now trying to figure out what are you gonna be doing on Saturday uh, before this thing comes in. Cool. So we hope everything turns out. Thank you. Well, and you guys get through this unscathed. Um, is it what level of, is it just a tropical depression? Is it a hurricane? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe some trees, you know, okay. branches fall down. Um, in, in Miami, we have a lot of uh, uh, power lines. It's not underground. So you, a lot of times you'll have some power lines go over and no electricity for a couple of days. So it's not going to be a category one though. Not even. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. So hopefully it's just a nuisance kind of bad rain. Exactly. So exactly. cool. All right. So thank you for that. That was uh very informative, at least for me, because I don't I get to deal with hurricanes like once every maybe seven to ten years. Um, you know, flooding, things like that. But um luckily we we only have to deal with those types of storms every once in a while. But when the big ones do come and hit New Jersey, we we get hit pretty good. So, um, and you know, it's very localized at times, you know, not widespread. It's usually one small area that kind of gets hammered more than everywhere else, but, um, there's businesses in those areas and you just never know, you never know when you're going to be in the worst of the worst and get, you know, the most rain or the most wind in those types of storms. And, you know, one storm could roll through your your town and get you get dumped with seven nine inches of rain and now you have flooding where you normally don't have flooding so you mm -hmm. have to prepare for this stuff even if you think it's never going to happen to you like we say with cyber attacks there's there's always a chance and you don't want to lose your business over you know something you could have absolutely done something about ahead of time and and protected yourself so um so yeah thank you for that uh, so let's jump into some some cybersecurity talks. Um, I want to jump right into this this one. I think it's pretty big. I mean, I wasn't on my radar probably because I have a bunch of other things going on right now. Um, but this Accenture, right? They are typically, you know, I think of them as like a business consulting company. They kind of developed a little bit of a reputation for being IT consultants. I've never really thought of Accenture as IT consultants, but more as like business, almost accounting. I think that's where they came from. Um, is it like that accounting world? Right. Um, but they got hit with this lockbit ransomware. And, and I don't know, I've read this article and I kind of, my first initial impressions was, is they were almost like boasting a little bit that they were able to contain the ransomware yep. attack. Did you come away with that as as well, or? Yeah, absolutely. There's they're they're quoted as saying everything is a okay. Yeah, but you got hit with ransomware, so mm -hmm. um, no, everything's not a okay because you were breached, right? Somebody was able to get in and deploy ransomware within your network, right? So um, it claimed on Wednesday to have infiltrated Accenture's network and set a four-hour countdown, right? that they were going to start releasing information on the dark web known as double extortion where they steal the data. Uh, and then when you start thinking that you have them beat and that you're like, Oh, we're not going to pay you because we have backups. We're going into recovery mode. We'll be fine. You know? And they go up, oh, we're going to release this data on the dark web if you don't pay us. And that's exact, exactly what happened here. But it sounds to me like, and I'm, unless I read something wrong, Accenture is, kind of saying that you really didn't steal anything. Am I right on that one? Well, Lockbit is claiming that they took, um, they had access to 2,500 employee computers and then they took six terabytes of data. And, but Accenture saying it didn't happen, right? Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but they haven't confirmed or kind of like denied that saying that, right. And that, but there's, uh, security researchers that basically said, no, we're starting to see information leaked on the dark web. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in short, Accenture called the hackers bluff, but several InfoSec researchers noted the following, the release of approximately 2,300 files. The deadline clock for Accenture was reset for Thursday, August 12th, which is today. 
So they're in the midst of this. They're dealing with this. They they may have only hit a few machines, right? Um, that actually got locked, right? That actually had that ransomware note on the screen. You know, we've locked files, but they were in there ahead of time before they deployed the ransomware. They were in there probably for weeks trying to figure out where stuff was at and then offloading it. It, it how much data did you say was stolen? Uh, six terabytes. How much does it how long does it take to move six terabytes off a network? Uh, it's, uh, over the internet. No, it's pretty, I mean, I'm, it's gonna be pretty fast. I, you th fast? Six ter over but well over what period? I mean, not we're not That's talking about that. That's what I'm saying. I'm asking okay. you, like how long if you were to move six terabytes of client data from somewhere and then you had to take it over the internet, how long do you think that would take? I see. I would say at least a week. Is, is that fair to say? Or you tell yeah. I'm th I'm thinking way longer than that. Okay. I mean, you'd be you'd be lucky to get a terabyte across in a week, in my opinion, depending mm -hmm. on what you have set up and what your infrastructure is. But in you're you're not setting up SD WAN as a hacker and creating this massive bandwidth so you can do this, right? So you're literally pulling it over the internet pipe. Right. So somebody was moving six terabytes over this company's firewall, which I don't know. If you're moving six terabytes through my network, I'm going to know about it. Exactly. Right? And even if you're going to go here and go, oh, Accenture is such a huge company, such a big network, you'd never know the difference, you know, six terabyte. Yes, you would. Like six terabyte spike over normal activity is going to be noticed. Six terabytes to one or two or three IP addresses is going to be noticed if you have the right things in place. And Accenture did not have the right things in place to alert them that there's something going on here, right? If you don't have somebody looking at how much traffic is going over various points of your network, and it's very simple to do, it's very simple to get like a screenshot of like a chart of how much data is going over the network over, over the last 24 hours, you're going to see a spike. Now, if the hackers were smart, quite frankly, they could have used a very small amount of bandwidth so they didn't get detected in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Or then that just means they were there longer. Exactly. Right? So, you know, that's the thing. Like if they did, if they went undetected, it just means that they were there longer and they were able to do this over a longer period of time to go undetected, which is, which is definitely a possibility, but you would think that you would have other things in place that would detect there's movement going on in your network over, you know, a two, three, four month period. This didn't happen in a week. This didn't happen in two weeks. This probably happened over the course of a month or two. So I just want to bring that up to give people perspective around this, that like it, they're boasting, number one, but number two, this is stuff that probably, again, going back to doing basic blocking and tackling from a cybersecurity standpoint, it doesn't look like Accenture was doing basic blocking and tackling, right? Um, and I'm just going to go out there and say it. No. If you're with Accenture for IT, you may want to reconsider who your IT company is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and going back to that boasting, I think the way they're looking at it is saying we have 569,000 employees over 50 countries. And I think they're looking at it to say, well, look, it's not even a, you know, it wasn't even a 5%. It was only 2,500 out of 569,000. And I think that's why they're kind of going that angle. I'm not justifying it, but I think that's what their IT department is saying is like, kind of like a sigh of relief. <sighs> you know, it's only 2,500 and not you know, 300,000. Oh, yeah, that seems to be a little bit of the playbook because Kaseya used the yes. same tube, right? Yep. Right? So some, somebody's, somebody's, people are building playbooks here. It must be the breach coaches out there, right? Right. Are building playbooks. Um, be interesting to see where, where that those playbooks go and, and where the breach coaches go. Um, so 
good luck Accenture. We'll, we'll update everybody on how that plays out over the next week, but that's a pretty big company to get hit. I mean, I don't know, man, like talk about a Buffalo jump. If you can get Accenture's clients, right. Mm-hmm. But that company itself, it's Excel itself was hampered. The big concern here for Accenture at this point is going to be, are these people somewhere else in the network doing something else besides, you know, deploying ransomware. Right. Because like if my company got hit and the only thing that happened was we got ransomware, I would be very happy because that means my clients didn't get hit. Right. So, you know, God, I don't want to ever have to deal with ransomware. But if I'm an IT company and I hear, hey, we got hit with ransomware, but our clients didn't, I would kind of look at that as a silver lining. Mm-hmm. No, do you do you agree or disagree? No, no I agree. I agree. Yeah, not that we're ever going to be in that situation, but if I was, I'd rather be that. And it sounds like that's where Accenture is living right now. Let's hope, you know, their clients don't get impacted by this. So going right along with this, uh, ransomware demands rocket 518%. Let's talk about why that can be, Andre. Why, 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 why do you think ransomware demands rocketed 518%? Criminals follow the money. And when you're paying them to do a job, they will, they will gladly take it. Right. And they've per, they've perfected, I don't want to say they perfected, but they've refined, almost perfected their methodologies to be able to do this in that, right, they have now, they have other people that do their dirty work and get into the network for them, mm-hmm. right? Then that access gets sold to a ransomware group. And then the ransomware guys are working with these affiliates who are coming to them with very big clients like Accenture, right? With very big, very big companies that they can get a lot of money out of because these companies make a lot of money, right? And my, my takeaway from this without going into the details of the article is simply companies are still not spending enough on cybersecurity all around. And then they don't do the basic blocking and tackling like I talked about. And you're making it easy for them to ask for large amounts of money. If you didn't make it so damn easy, this number wouldn't be 518%. It might be 200%. But we need to be we need to be as IT professionals, we need to get this number down to hopefully next year or in the next 2 or 3 years. This is a negative number and ransomware demands are going backwards, right? Not up. So, that's my take on it. What are your thoughts on just you know, anything I said there or anything, or maybe you have a different perspective than I do on, on this whole thing. No, no. Uh, just right before our call, I had a, a call with a, a client where we're telling them, you know, giving them our offerings on cybersecurity. Uh, right now, they don't have that. And his answer to me was, well, we just got a cybersecurity insurance policy. So why do we even need all of this? If something happens, can't we just, you know, go to our insurance and let them pay it out or, you know, help us with that? And I had to basically take the time to educate them and to tell them why would you even want to get to this point? Let's help you protect it so that you don't even have to, you know, yes, it's good to still have the policy, of course, but you shouldn't want to rely on just paying it out. And I think that's kind of what every men- everybody's mentality is, is if something happens, just pay it out and move on. You know, let's just, that, and this is why that article is saying, you know, it's a, such a big jump. Oh, I got a new thing here. I, um, I, I, unshared the screen a little prematurely uh here's a new one i haven't heard of this one and i actually didn't see it when i initially read the article quadruple extortion Mm, quad wow okay go ahead double extortion is something i've been talking about for well over a year um quadruple extortion takes things two steps further After the encryption and data exfiltration, the ransomware gang launches a DDoS attack that shuts down the victim's public websites and and step four, harassment. The criminals contact the organization's customers, business partners, employees, and the media to let them know about the attack (laughs) or the hack. Wow. Okay, cool. So um, I guess they're dubbing this, they're giving it a name, I guess, which is kind of (laughs) cool. I guess everything gets a name these days, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, for what it is. Uh, but this has been going on forever, quite frankly, folks. 
when you get ransomware, you get harassed. Your CEO gets harassed. He gets bombarded with phone calls if they have his phone number. The company gets bombarded with phone calls. The company gets bombarded with emails. Um, the DDoS thing, I have seen that from specific or certain ransomware groups. I have seen DDoS attacks on things like websites where they they take these things down. So your customers start calling you going, why is your website down? Um, you know, this isn't this isn't anything new, in my opinion. I guess somebody just decided to point it out and, and slap the name quadruple extortion on it. But this is all kind of what goes with a ransomware attack in a lot of cases, especially in these bigger ones. Um, you know, if you're a small business and maybe you don't use your website as a as a central point for your customers to do business with you. So we're talking like think about shopping cart type sites and things like that. If you're just like an accountant and you just have like an informational website that's more of like a electronic brochure, um, they they're probably going to look at that and go, it's not worth it for us to, to take this website down because it probably doesn't get a lot of traffic in the first place. But if your website is a, a, a source of income for you or it's it generates revenue for you, they absolutely will do a DDoS attack on your website um, and as an attempt to get you paid. What's more frequent is the other part of this statement, which is harassment. You will get harassed. They're, they're relentless. They will call everybody in your company. They'll call every extension. They will get they will find you so they can get paid. So agree, disagree? You've seen no. this before, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's, it's just now putting a name to it. And, and they're just trying to do everything to make your you as a CEO life miserable. Right. And um, and that way, you know, you pay the ransom. That's, that's the right. They way. get you to pay based on uh, stress. You know, they stress yeah. you out, you know, and, and stress wins when you're under stress you're you know you're going to lose a negotiation right you're going to you're not going to think straight you're going to end up you know just doing things and you'll end up almost thinking these hackers are your friend if they do a good enough job and then you'll end up caving to their demands uh so here's that hospital andre that i talked about back in june after uh, Biden gave Putin his list. This is the hospital that got attacked the day after. The, no, nobody talked about, nobody asked like, hey, you know, what happened here? Well, they got hit with ransomware. They were down. They were on pen and paper. And as we, you and I have talked about this a number of times, right? Right. It's, it's at least two months after the event where they release stuff like this, right? Mm -hmm. And this hospital is now coming out and saying that possible, it's possible that patient information, including date of birth, social security number, financial information, and addresses have been accessed during a ransomware attack. So, I mean, I don't even know if there's anything else to say. No, I like how they use the word possible because now using the word possible is not even saying it did happen. Like it may have happened to you, may have not, we're not. Like they know, they they know exactly. Right. Right. And, and using the word possible is just a nice legal and 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 PR way of just. I don't want to play the video, but it's um, but here we go too, folks. The this entity falls under HIPAA, so they do have to be careful about what they say uh, publicly. You know, they have to make sure that they release things properly through the proper channels and do it correctly. Um, my guess would be is that they they are they are just walking uh, gently here, so they don't get in trouble with HIPAA because HIPAA is going to come in and you know, take a look at the situation and see if there were any HIPAA violations, which it sounds like there were. So uh, not going to be a good situation for them. Uh, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, that's all. All right, good. Because now we're going to talk about another healthcare uh, entity that <laughs> had a problem in the past. And uh, now they're having, uh, now they're releasing what the cyber attack actually cost them. And this is another HIPAA entity. Right. And the reason Andre and I want to highlight this one is because we talked to a lot of business owners and we still hear 
more often than we feel like we should that, you know, business owners have almost a very narrow view of what cybersecurity is. And they think it's, oh, I'll just pay the ransom or we have backups or we have endpoint protection or we use multi-factor authentication. So we're good. And I'm not saying they use all of those. It's usually they use one of those things. And then in their mind, because they invested in this tool, they think that they have proper cybersecurity. And we have those conversations all the time. And what happens when you think like that, quite frankly, is you end up thinking that a cyber event or a cyber attack doesn't really cost as much as it does. And here's an example of that right here that we want to bring to your attention. And that's the Scripps Health uh, ransomware attack that happened a very long time ago. Um, I think it was in May um, mm -hmm. when they actually discovered it. Um, but talk to us about this, Andre. What what are they saying now? What What's actually been revealed three, four months after the attack? Um, and I'll just go, I'll just preface what you're about to say with, this is just the tip of the iceberg for this particular topic with Scripps Health. So, yeah. So the first first thing I want to mention, though, is notice that the attack happened on May 1st and they restored their systems May 26th. So that's essentially 25 days of, of lost business productivity in your employees. You're still having to make payroll. So that is like 25 days for this company to come back up to say, OK, everything is back up and normal. So that's the first thing, because again, I, and I'm going to even take this clip that we're talking, Brian, and send it to my client that I had a conversation a few, you know, right before our call. So to just show them, like, this is why don't just rely on having a, a cybersecurity policy. You're going to be down for a long time. That's that's priceless. Um, and, and then the second thing that I, I wanted to mention, kind of like what you mentioned as well, is how much revenue they lost as well. Um, obviously, they're multi million dollar company, but nevertheless, um, they lost the 91.6 million in revenue. And then this occurred 21.1 million in added expenses to recover for this. So this is right. third party, you know, companies that they're having to bring in to, to help them with this forensics, et cetera. Right. And I think that's a, the big piece that a lot of business owners miss is that mm -hmm. you're, you're going to lose revenue when these things happen. Like, I don't care if it's a dollar or if it's $91.6 million. It's probably not going to be a dollar, um, but you are going to experience some level of business disruption that's going to cause you to lose revenue. And then on top of that, you're going to have to pay for things and for resources and put effort into. And effort, you know, is simply just time, money, and resources. Um, you're going to have to put effort into a cleanup and a recovery, and that's going to cost you money as well. And as Scripps Health found out, it cost them $21 million, which quite frankly, that was the cheap part of it, right? The expensive part was the lost revenue. Right. And the, the part that they can't put the number to is how many people are now going to now, you know, when the contract is up for renewal to, to work with Scripps or if someone's considering them, their competitors are going to be mentioning this. Hey, Scripps is not doing a good job protecting your data. This is why you need, you know, go with us. This is what we've put in place to make sure, you know, so that, that's going to happen and that's going to be priceless as well. Yeah. And then, and then it, you know, the very next uh, line in this is in addition to direct costs. So let's talk about the indirect costs, right, that go along with a cyber attack. Mm -hmm. They, they face several proposed class action lawsuits from the patients affected in the ransomware attack, right? So that's going to cost you lawyers who, last time I checked, lawyers aren't cheap, right. especially class action lawsuit lawyers. Um, in its financial report in the third quarter of fiscal year 2021, Scripps recorded revenue of $775.3 million, down 3% from the same quarter one year prior. Scripps health systems expenses also rose in the third quarter to 847.1 million up 13.2% well, from the same quarter. So basically revenue went down, expenses went up. Right. And that's basically in a nutshell, what ransomware attacks will do to your business. Your revenue is going to go down and your expenses are going to go up. Right now, 
in your opinion, and I'm just going to throw this out there because this is kind of the thing that we talk about. They incurred $21.1 million in added expenses, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm a business owner and I'm, I'm looking at this number, right, and I'm trying to decide whether or not I need to do a better job with cybersecurity, do you think the number that you're going to get hit with by an IT company is going to be $21.1 million? To shore no. up your cybersecurity, not at all, right? Not at all. And that's that's like what we want to highlight here. Like, more than likely, this probably wouldn't even have cost them two million dollars, right? To to do cybersecurity the right way, right? And that's what Andre and I. This is why we have this podcast. This is why we do this every week. This is why we're trying to get the word out and show every week different examples of how businesses get caught with their pants down, right? And it happens every single day. It happens to big businesses. It happens to the smallest businesses. And Andre and I are here to tell everybody it costs a fraction of that $21.1 million to really take care of this stuff at a very high level where you make it almost impossible. You re- reduce your risk so much that hackers just move on to somebody else who's a lot easier to 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 get into and penetrate and, and get money from, right? This is the basic blocking and tackling that we're talking about that businesses aren't doing that lead to price tags like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully businesses start to get smart to this very soon and understand that, yes, there's time, money, and effort involved. And yes, you might have to spend 1.5 million scripts health to, to shore up that cybersecurity but if I came to you and said, okay, you can pay us $1.5 million on April 1st and we'll start to shore up your system, or on August 8th, 2021, you can pay $21 million. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. It, it, it's almost like a dumb decision. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, I'm going to pay, you know, you obviously you're going to pay, you know, six months ago, you're going to pay the $1.5 million versus six months later where you have to pay $21.1 million. And this happens all the time in every case that I see. This is the numbers are different, but the results are the same. And that's, you know, that's what we're here. And that's why we do this podcast to point this stuff out to uh, to people. So I want you to decide our next topic. Do you want to go into 71 billion ransomware attacks on remote access? Or do you want to talk about the, the poly network crypto heist? I'll do. I'll choose the poly. And one more thing I want to mention about the scripts is, uh, so scripts are they going to recover from this? Absolutely. In 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 the six months, you know they're going to be returning profits and everything is going to be okay, fine and dandy. But Brian, uh, that's assuming they don't get hit again. Right. right of course. No. No. But but my point is, Brian, your business. If your business got a, a hacked or whoever's listened to this podcast, and you know you're making less than. 10 million in revenue, and now you had a $5 million, you know, situation, you're out of business, yep. right? So yep. Scripps is going to, they're going to be able to walk through this. They're still going to be in business. They're going to have, a, they're going to be tarnished, but they're going to walk through this. But us small businesses, it, it, that's it. We're closing shop. Yep. Yep. Great point. So I don't know a lot about this, so I'm going to lean on you for this. I I, I I do know something about it, but I, but we're, we're kind of going off our cybersecurity path here for a minute. I think it is important to talk about Bitcoin's a thing. A lot of business owners that I know are interested or invested in Bitcoin. Uh, so I think our audience would at least like to know what the heck, heck is happening here from our perspective, being that we are in the cybersecurity space and we kind of know the lingo of what's going on here. Um, so hackers stole 600 million from the cryptocurrency world, right? It wasn't, from what I understand, it wasn't one particular coin. It was a bunch of different coins that were stolen, but it was, um, they were able to penetrate this poly network company, which apparently is kind of like the underbelly of the, um, the, the crypto exchanges, right? So different crypto exchanges use this company to move the money, right? So in the same way banks move money, 
using different networks. Um, like when you go to your ATM and you see that star network, you see star at a, at an ATM, that's mm -hmm. a company that moves the money from your bank to the bank that owns the ATM. And they make sure that all that stuff happens. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that that's what this poly network kind of does. They are responsible for moving your Bitcoin or your uh, cryptocurrency from one exchange to another. And the other thing I do know about this is that Binance was kind of one of the one of the crypto exchanges that used poly network. And there were other ones, but I don't believe Coinbase was like that's the other big one that I know of. I don't believe Coinbase was was involved in this. So what do you know? Help us understand what the heck is going on here. And uh, yeah, so this is equivalent to someone going to um, your your local bank and basically, you know, taking all the money, literally all the money in the vault. And and the only difference is there is in this case, I'm sure federal investigations are going to happen. But in this case, high surface level speaking, there's no, you know, there's no FBI that can then like trace it to go from A to B to C to D and, and try to uh, get this money back. There's no FDIC to say, OK, you lost your money, Mr. Customer. Here's your, you know, $100,000 guarantee that we put for you. So it's going to be very interesting because they. This is a lot of obviously it's a lot of money. A lot of people are trusting and putting their 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 coin in in this in this type of um you know in this type of network. And now what? So I would just say if you're a business, be very careful if you are dealing with. Um, I've heard businesses are now actually paying their employees via Bitcoin and they're actually storing money there, receiving money from their customers and things like that. It's just something else to be careful because um, there is no backup plan for you to get your money back if if one of these companies get heist. Yeah. So Poly Network decided to take the um, this the the tact of establishing communication with the hackers. Um, from what I read, they they were able to obtain a lot of information about the IP and the networks of the hackers. So that so they. They kind of knew where they were in the world and they had a lot of information that could, could help them track these these guys down. So they opened up a dialogue with them and they basically said, hey, look, you just stole the biggest amount of money in decentralized finance history. And the law, law enforcement in pretty much every country is going to regard this as a major economic crime. And basically the money you stole, you stole it from individuals you mm -hmm. every every amount of money was stolen from individuals so you just affected like a lot of people so i think their their move was like hey you're gonna put a lot of heat on yourself um as a result of this so let's have a discussion about you returning the money which they did return some of the money um but they also immediately started uh, distributing this 610 million to other crypto wallets that they were in control of. So they were kind of just spreading out once they had the money they meant, and then they were spreading it out to other crypto wallets and things like that. Um, where do you think this is going to go? Cause this is really, this is really weird. I mean, this is like, they stole the money, they returned some of it. Um, what, like what do you like what, what do you think is going to happen here in, it depends on which country these these guys are in if 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 looking on the federal us side if they know who it is they're definitely going to be putting pressure on that country's government to go after those to go after those those people but if we're talking you know iran uh, north korea china um they're they're going to just turn their backs and says we don't know what you're talking about you have no proof and um you know close those channels of communication I really think those people are going to be SOL. They're going to be left uh, holding the back. The, the individuals, you know, they're going to be they're going to be out of luck. It's a test to me of like similar to, you know, if this was done in our traditional banking system, um, it's a testament to the actual networks themselves because this whole this line right here for me is very interesting where they say Poly Network immediately asked all the cryptocurrency exchanges to blacklist the tokens coming from the addresses that were linked to the hackers. 
So that's interesting to see if like this thing where they're they're calling it blacklisting of tokens is actually a way that they can quickly prevent fraud like this, where, you know, basically, you know, I steal money from you and basically every dollar that I own can now no longer be spent or used or transacted because I stole it from you. Everybody knows I stole it from you. I'm not the rightful owner of it. And now I can't use it for anything. So it immediately becomes worthless by the network, right? Mm -hmm. The network now says those things right there are completely worthless in our world. That's a very interesting concept to me because that doesn't work with dollars right now. I steal a dollar from you. I can go buy something that costs a dollar. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are serial numbers and stuff like that, but right. You can't like who really is looking at a serial number to know which dollar was stolen or, or you know, right. to me, this almost like, I don't know how this is going to play out, but to me, if they can do things like this, this makes cryptocurrency far more attractive than fiat currency in my mind. Hmm. Right. You know? Because you, you literally can, if you can blacklist tokens, this really eliminates anybody who got their tokens from from Ill- illegal ways. If somebody can come in and say, hey, you need to blacklist these, that, I guess that would have to be the exchanges. Like, hey, this company just paid this hacker, you know, for, for ransomware, right? Mm-hmm. You pay the ransom. And then you get your data back and then the crypto and you can go to the crypto exchanges and say, hey, we just sent, you know, two hundred thousand dollars to this crypto address for ransomware. And then they can then after the fact, then trace all that and blacklist it. That becomes very interesting from my perspective. Yeah. But then doesn't that defeat the whole purpose? I mean, we know that it's it's traceable to in a sense, but there was always this. But you're not tracing you're not tracing it back to an individual. I still don't know who we're blacklisting the token for. We're just blacklisting the token. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. So the nominee is still there. Yep, right here. Anonymity is still there. You're just saying you these are now worthless because you got them through ill-gotten ways. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, yeah. You know, and then it becomes who gets to police that because that's a pretty powerful position to be in, in my opinion. Right, right. So, that's really cool stuff. So let's just uh, let's end the show here with our, our, our last article, which is um, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, I just, you know, I'm glad we talked about that crypto thing because it, it is interesting. Um, but this 71 billion ransom attacks on remote access, uh, which is which was research done by ESET, which ESET is a antivirus company, security company. Um there have been 71 billion ransomware attacks on remote access between January 2020, which was roughly before COVID, right? And then June of 2021, you know, th- two short months ago. Um, what do you think here? It's interesting. They're saying that the, 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 the top three most widespread techniques used by malicious actors our remote desktop protocol, which is a way you can uh, basically remote into your computers, email attachments, and supply chain. I'm surprised they didn't put passwords in here too. Right. Yeah. So what I read a report a couple of weeks ago, and I was surprised by it because a long time ago, Microsoft came out. And I, and I say a long time ago because I really don't remember when it was. It was so long ago. Um Microsoft came out and said, don't expose RDP to the internet under any circumstances. And you, if you have to, there are certain best practices you, you can follow, but even those are, you know, not a hundred percent. You still have some level of risk. When they did that, I made the decision like that day to remove RDP from any internet access, because quite frankly, before ransomware and attackers, attackers became so prevalent, 
a lot of companies had RDP open to the internet for reverse. Mm -hmm. Of course, I used to do that. Right. I, I used to have my, in order, I centralized my password in OneNote and I would just do remote desktop port 8081 directly into my computer at home to get all my clients' passwords. Right. Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, it wasn't uncommon for IT people to open up remote desktop to get access to things like servers in people's offices and, and things like that. But things have changed. We do things a lot differently now. RDPs become a major attack vector. You know, so we're doing, you do things to make sure that that doesn't become an attack vector. I'm kind of interest. It's interesting to me that VPN does not show up on here anywhere because I know a lot of people's VPN setups that we've analyzed over the years. And it's basically that Windows VPN that comes in Windows Server, which, you know, you can use that if you set it up correctly. But if you set it up kind of default by just clicking through the wizard and setting up your, your remote access that way, there's a very good chance that you have some VPN protocols that are easily cracked running. Mm -hmm. And that's to me is no different than having remote desktop protocol open on your network. Yes. So if you connect your VPN to like a Windows VPN and it's no like technical people, if it's PPTP, that's pretty much like RDP being open on your network. So maybe they're kind of uh, overlapping the two. It could be that. I don't know. But I would imagine that that is a large attack vector these days as well, especially with COVID-19. Uh, but what I was saying before is I read an article a couple of weeks ago where they said uh, there was a study done. I think it was by Shodan. Um, and they were basically like when the pandemic started, they saw RDP access, meaning people went and, and allowed RDP access or opened up RDP access to servers and computers. They saw it increase by like over 20%. Wow. So like. And what that means is, is if they detected a million computers, you know, prior to that time frame, when COVID hit, that went from a million to a million two hundred thousand. Yep. Right. So two hundred thousand more computers. If if it were a million, it was probably more than that. Just just to give people a frame of reference. But you know, even if it were a million computers out there that were already exposed. COVID led to 200 more, 200,000 more computers. It was probably more like 10 million or close to 20 million. So it's probably more like 2 million more computers were exposed to the internet using RDP. So what else, what else is, is going on here with the 70 billion ransomware attacks on remote access? Um, let's see, white paper. I don't see anything else. Um, they, they mentioned, you know, obviously the Kaseya, the Colonial Pipeline, things like that. But uh, no, I didn't see anything else on this article. Yeah, so, and that's, Colonial Pipeline was obviously VPN, like I mentioned. The thing yeah. that I mentioned at the beginning that I said surprisingly is not on here that I think should be on there. Colonial Pipeline was hacked because of of a legacy VPN that they had out there, you know, or what they, what they kind of concluded was that they had a legacy VPN out there that, you know, really wasn't being used that nobody kind of took care of. Um, they were probably using it in my opinion. It was probably just a few people that were using it that were left using it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so, and that does happen. Like, you know, we'll just wrap up the show kind of with that conversation that does happen, Andre. I see it a lot, quite frankly, where a company puts in new technology, but one or two users can't move to that new technology because they have a piece of software that they can't use or that piece of software is so old that when you move it into the new technology or move it into the new thing, it stops working. And then the a lot of companies will go, okay, well, well, then we'll just leave that there for those two users. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? 
all the time, all the, especially in my industry, because we do a lot of condominiums mm -hmm. and you have these older access control systems that um, that are running on outdated operating systems and and, and the, basically the, the association doesn't want to spend the money to buy the new access control. So they just, we, we call it legacy users. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. And we try our best to lock it down, but we have to, you know, we have them sign the waiver that this is not the right way uh, uh, to do things. And um, yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, I see it all the time too. When we do risk assessments, we go in and you know, the first thing that we do with a risk assessment is we usually go through a questionnaire like here, what do you have? Tell us what you have. Right. And then mm -hmm. we go in and actually run the tools and we see what they have. And we're like, Hey, you didn't tell us about this thing over here. What is this? Yeah. Oh, well that's, you know, our old VPN that we needed to leave up because Sally and, and Joan, you know, need to run this program. And when we set up the new VPN, it didn't work. So now we got them on the old VPN. Yep. And they're the only two using the old VPN. And then what happens? Your bad IT guy or your bad IT company forgets that that's out there. And then one day a hacker comes along and goes, oh, what's this? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is old and I can exploit the heck out of it. Mm -hmm. Now they have access to your network and they're deploying ransomware. Yep. And that's how it goes down, folks. And we're not kidding. And that's really it. So thanks, brother. This was a good, another good one. Uh, yep. We want to thank everybody for paying the fee to watch the show. Um, our, again, our stats go up every single week. So we know you're out there uh, watching us and promoting us, um, even though it may not be as, as overtly as one would think. Um, we have the stats to, to see that you're watching us, even though you're not sharing us. So get out there and share us on your social media. It takes two seconds. Let, uh, let your friends and family know uh, so they can get educated just like you. Um, all you got to do is go to one of our podcast places. We're on Spotify. We're in Audible. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on iTunes Store. We're in anywhere you can get a freaking podcast. Um, Share that out to your friends and family and then help us grow this show naturally. And we'll, we would be, I'm grateful for that. Right. And, but I'm also grateful that y'all listen to us and that you view us as authorities in the cybersecurity world. Um, that's why we're here doing this at the end of the day is to educate the people that want to listen to us and uh, make them smarter about cybersecurity, especially you business owners out there who aren't doing anything about this stuff. So Anything you want to share share with it, everyone before we end the show, sir? No, we're good, man. We'll see you right. next week. Yeah, we will see everybody next week. We should have Randy back with us next week, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll bring Randy back with us next week, uh, get his insight on some things. But stay safe out there and reach out to us through our uh, social media, either on Facebook or uh, YouTube. And I think next week our website will be up and live. So securitysquawk.com will be the place where we'll have everything linked of all the different places we're at. So we'll see you all then. Take care. All right.